Welcome to the Revenue Marketing Report powered by Caliber Mind. I'm your host, Kamala Thompson, and today I'm thrilled to introduce Tico Light. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm, I'm founder of Depper. I think that's interesting that Dell Depper is a, a growth marketing agency, a relatively young agency. So we've been around for three and a half years, almost four years. And in that short period of time, we, we grew uh, very fast. And we're specialized in uh, B2B marketing. That's a little bit about the company. We're, we're, 20, we're a team of 20 people now. Yeah, it's going really well. We, we have momentum. So the biggest bottleneck right now in the business is uh, hiring the, the right talent to execute the work. But uh, I think that's a good problem to have. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a great segue into what we're going to talk about because uh-huh. Uh-huh, a lot of marketers are being asked to do more with less. It's a phrase I hear, have heard throughout my career, no matter how good the economy was doing. One of the temptations I've seen lately is to cut down our costs on the content side and leverage AI and automation on that side. So let's talk about what works, what doesn't, and why. So first, have you tried ChatGPT? Yes. Yeah. Um, um, One of our core values is innovation. So uh, when we translate that to uh, we pioneer. It's actually, yeah, it's written here right above me. Um, so, you know, we always try to be one step ahead. We believe that that is the reason that big companies work together with a, a small Dutch company like us, because, you know, we're always one step ahead in terms of tools and technology, growth frameworks, and so on and so forth. So, of course, especially generative AI is something that we need to continuously explore. And I myself, but also all my colleagues do explore the, the application. Uh, continuously. So yeah, short answer. Yes, we do, we do use it. <laughs> yes. And I've, I've seen my sales team use it. In fact, I had a sales rep send over an article and say, Hey, what do you think? And I was able to immediately, I'm like, did you use chat GPT? Cause this doesn't yeah. sound like anything a human <laughs> would naturally say. <laughs> yeah. So I, of course, am not saying you don't use it, but let's talk about some of the applications it's good for, maybe not good for. So I would say it's not quite where it needs to be for replacing a human for thought leadership articles because it's just regurgitating what happened over the last 12 months. Yes. But what are some applications you all have found that are interesting? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, what what, what I'd like to say first is that you know, my immediate response also was, and sometimes still is, we can't use this because it's unoriginal content, right? And if you want to grab and keep the attention of your prospects, you need to say something new because you know, the, the attention span of people is, is so short nowadays. If you're not saying something that is really different and, and, um, and, and worthwhile for the, for your prospect to read then forget about it, you know, he's yeah. going to scroll right past it. So that's, that's my first reaction. But then I also try to think about the other big disruptions in technology that, that heavily influenced marketing in the end and, and realize, you know, this is something that happens with every technology, right? There are a, a lot of people un- underestimate it. Same uh, with, with social media, right? A lot of companies at the dawn of social media said, we don't need social media. We're a B2B right. company. You know, right. people are on social media to look at funny cat videos and, and memes and stuff like that. Uh, same with the internet and maybe the printing press a couple hundred years ago. So right now I try to 
not use it for thought leadership, right? I, I yep. strongly believe that that is really something that requires originality. I, I've tried it a couple of times, but I, I simply can't create content that I find worthwhile, worthwhile publishing. Right. But for instance, if I write a long article, I do ask ChatGPT. Hey, can you write, can you come up with a couple of ideas of cutting this article in a couple of short bites yes. that I can share on LinkedIn? Yes. And that is something that works very well. Yep. Or for instance, if we write a, um, uh, an article for a, um, uh, a client of ours, we might ask, Hey, rewrite this same article, but then, you know, um, imagine being a, uh, a cybersecurity specialist with 10 years of experience. And yes. if you give these very, very specific prompts, then all of a sudden you get an article that has a much better tone of voice. You know, these types of things do work, uh, work very yeah. well, but yeah. Agree. And, and some of the interesting ways I've also used it are asking it, like, what are people in this specific category worried about or searching for right now? And using it to kind of aggregate all that search data that's really hard to access yes. has been interesting. So I've tried that in a few variations. And one time it just spit out this list and I'm like, there's, there's our content topics for the next yeah. six weeks. <laughs> 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 so that's yeah. been interesting. And then thinking of creative variations for ad copy and most of them you're going to probably oh, yeah. throw out, but every once in a while there's, there's a gem in there. I, oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. No. So, so on, on the content creation side, definitely. And then I, I think also for, you know, that, that is more on the demand generation side, right? Pushing new, new content. But I also think there's a lot of interesting developments around capturing demand. So not too long ago, I saw a post of uh, a marketeer that found that a client came to them or at least an inbound lead and that mentioned as sourced, how did you find us? ChatGPT, and that and that's pretty crazy, right? So yeah. a couple couple weekends ago, I went to uh, to London uh, with my girlfriend just uh, just a weekend away, and you know we were playing around with ChatGPT, asking ChatGPT what should we do on a, uh, a two or two day trip to London, uh, staying in in Kensington, and then ChatGPT comes up with ten recommendations of fun things to do. Then you ask ask ChatGPT what restaurants should I visit yeah. in this neighborhood. And it works as a marketing machine, you know? Yeah. So, and, and now, especially with the introduction of, of AI, more advanced AI in, in Google and in Bing, I feel that a next step will be of optimizing your, your findability for these new AI search engines. And that, that's also something that I think we're going to see a lot more of uh, in, in the coming time. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, great point. My wheels are turning. I can always already see it happening. It's just, <laughs> it just yeah. makes sense. So ChatGPT is pulling from the content that's already out there. So that tells me a couple things. If you want to show up in ChatGPT, pretty, you should prioritize your content strategy. You should be creating the disruptive, cutting-edge things that people want to consume. And, mm -hmm. and uh, that should also lead to showing up in chat GPT when people are asking questions related to your product. Is that what I'm hearing? Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, I, I do think so. But we, yeah, we are working with some assumptions here because yeah. we're not completely sure how the algorithm works and what kind of content the algorithm prioritizes, of course. So I am not a specialist in AI at all, right? But what I know is that 
the algorithm uh, behind ChatGPT works as follows. I'm probably not going to explain this in a very. Uh, you're pr I'm probably going to explain it, and you're still going to be like, okay, what? So that that kind of comes from <laughs> basically what what ChatGPT does is after formulating one word, it tries to find another logical word to like a to like what, what is mimicking a neural network. So it, it, it formulates word by word. And that's also when you see it working, it doesn't, you know, completely uh, um, uh, pushes out one full article. It goes bit by bit, which is crazy. crazy. So it, it formulates every word. It, it thinks after having one word, it looks to find the most logical words to put after that. So I think we need to very thoroughly understand this algorithm in order to understand how we're able to to be found on, on the algorithm. If it's the same as Google or anything like Google, it boils down to just answering questions as properly as possible, right? The, the days are long gone where you just could, could put a certain keyword a hundred times in an article and hide it behind images and put it in, in, in at the right spots in order to be found. Right now, we just have to give a good answer to a question. And, and I feel like that is going to be very similar with, with all the AI search engines. Yeah. And the benefit of this is that you're getting feedback real time. So as it's presenting these things, people are telling it, yeah, that worked. No, it didn't. And there's where it goes way beyond Google and starts turning into something really interesting. But that brings up a good point. Our phones are doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know how most of us, those of us who swear, when we first get the phone, it auto corrects that out of it. And then eventually it learns, no, you're actually trying to type that. I'm going to let you do that. So, <laughs> so as you like autofill text, you start noticing words you use more frequently pop up as the next option. So uh -huh. the machines are taking over. It's happening. Yeah. Well, and, and, and it's funny because this, uh, yeah, it, it sounds like a joke, but more and more of these software SaaS are introducing generative AI. So also, I don't, I don't know if you use notion yourself, but it's, I, I never installed generative AI, but I was typing in a document and it allowed me to click on suggest a copy yep. and I, a couple hundred words are put in front of me, like pretty decent. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not perfect, but wow, this just saved me like 20 minutes of typing. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And many of us have been using similar technology to chat GPT. I know a lot of people who use chat GPT as an editing tool yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I've used tools like autocorrect Grammarly. There's quite a few out there. Jasper. Very, yeah. mm -hmm, very similar. So this isn't new. I would say that we still need to apply our own context and judgment when it comes to what we use and what we edit and what we change. But I like that you pointed out the knee jerk reaction for me also was I can't, I can't use this because it's not going to be new things that people yeah. want to seek out. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you think about it a little more and say, well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and also I, I think it's like the, the fact that this, that this can develop in something that can do that, I think should, should signify the importance of understanding very well how it works. And yeah. even though right now I'm not going to use it for my own thought leadership content, I will keep using it for different purposes and keep exploring the applications of it because at some point in five to 10 years, it will be able to generate these new ideas. Yeah. And the moment is there. You don't want to be the person that doesn't understand what's going on. You know, you, so th this is one of these groundbreaking technologies that is going to change so much right now. It's not perfect, but we do see the power of it and the potential. So to all the, 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 the marketers out there, 
you know, even though you might not hundred percent agree with, with the complete uses of it, but keep up to date with it and, and, yeah. and, and make sure you, you know how to apply it. Yeah. And if you can shave time off of what you're doing by leveraging it in certain ways, that's worth it. So yeah. you may not rely on it completely. I rec- wouldn't recommend it at this point, but I agree. It, the big question is, is it going to learn how to come up with new ideas before the dystopian future of robots? taking over? <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Kind of mostly. <laughs> Are we? <laughs> <laughs> I keep thinking to Jurassic Park, which dates me a bit and shows my age, but uh, you know, Jurassic didn't... Park was my favorite movie. So <laughs> I keep thinking of the line that they, they only asked if they could, not if they should. And I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I yeah, recommend yeah. to everybody checking out the daily podcast. They have a fantastic episode that says the search wars got scary really fast and it's fantastic. So it's all about being chat. So let's go back to marketing land and away from dystopia future. (laughs) (laughs) What are some of the best practices you see in B2C? And we talked about some of them as they apply to thought leadership, but what are some of the things you see happening in B2C that you wish happen more often in B2B? Okay. So just in general, B2C marketing, how we can apply it to B2B marketing. So where I think B2B marketers can learn a lot from B2C is that B2C marketers can think about the complete funnel, right? They, they do not stop at a certain point. Their responsibility is not uh, warming up an audience and that is it. Their responsibility is showing yourself to somebody for the first time, keeping that person engaged. And when somebody gets to that product page, doing everything is possible, uh, everything possible to get that person to convert and buy your product or, or service. When we're talking about B2B in the past 10 to 50 years, there has been this division of marketing and sales where marketing got very, very high uh, marketing qualified lead goals or sales qualified lead goals, uh, a contact, uh, some contact details of people that are not, not actually interested uh, to buy. You know, they got these APIs and then sales got the cap- uh, sales needed to close these, uh, these deals, right? So yeah. what happened is that with these wrong KPIs, marketing was steering towards getting in contact details, right? This this is something that that that, that you've been hearing a, a lot lately. But oh, I just want to pound my head on the desk because I know where this story always ends up. I keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and 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 um, you know, B two C marketing is all about. It takes takes you through the whole funnel. So if you're doing it properly, I think B two B marketing, your KPI is revenue, right? Yes. So KPI is, is revenue, and 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 really creating a machine that creates inbound leads that actually makes it worthwhile to, to sales to spend their time and energy on. I, I have an example also of, of a company that we've helped where this went terribly wrong um, and we lost about 100 to 150 uh, K in, in advertising budget. I don't know if I have time to, to talk about it. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Go, yeah. Go. <laughs> so we, we were helping a client and that client wanted us to run lead generation campaigns, right? Classic, with white papers and eBooks, uh, on LinkedIn and on Facebook, uh, gathering these contact details and then passing it on to sales through HubSpot. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, I was asking this client, can we please at least talk to sales, see if we have the right people at the right companies, if these leads are warm at all, or should we change it around? You know, I was trying to find an entrance to introduce demand generation and demand capture. But the marketing director of the company told me, no, Tijo, you guys are doing a great job. You know, you're getting, you're hitting these marketing qualified lead goals and, uh, you know, keep doing what you're doing, but sales, that's a whole different department. You don't need to talk to them. Oh, so, goodness. Like, oh, yeah. Grown. Yeah, horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's a war. I fought my. St- I'm having flashbacks, but keep uh-huh, going. I'm uh-huh. interrupting. Yeah, yeah, no. This is this is not a unique story. This is something that happened in almost every B2B company out there, probably. And what happened after is that, or after a couple of months of running these campaigns, I get introduced to a sales representative in the company and I ask him, "Hey, you know, what do you think of these leads that are coming in?" He's like, oh, "Leads, leads. I didn't, I didn't see any leads coming from these campaigns." And then we started researching the situation, and apparently an integration wasn't made or wasn't properly made between our campaigns and HubSpot. I can't tell you how many times I've seen that. It's it's ridiculous, right? So what happened is none of these leads came true and we spent, well, uh, somewhere between 100K and 150K advertising budget on it. Just burn it in the parking lot. Just burn it. <laughs> Good. Just, no, and, and what happened is that these leads never got there and never never got followed up, and you know it, it's it's just an um, a perfect example of how broken B two B marketing uh, has been. Luckily, luckily it's changing, but um, yeah. And I've seen a lot of different variations of this too. For some companies, especially early on. Social advertising is a great way to build awareness, but not a great way to immediately generate pipeline. And I've fought this battle internally where we want to hit a really aggressive pipeline goal immediately. And the thing that makes sense to scale is to spend it on advertising. And I'm the freakishly weird marketer going, no, like let's do some kind of high value meeting incentive and then you'll get your pipeline number. And then we do this other stuff still expecting that eventually they're going to convert in yeah. some other channel. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I see you nodding. I wish this other person had nodded too. No, no, this, I, was this, like... I, I love this. It, I, I can give an example of how we uh, do our marketing here at Dapper. Um, of course, we have our demand generation activities, you know, from SCA to SEO to, um, you know, some free demo that we're giving away, free growth scans, all of these things that focus on the couple of percent of our prospects that are currently looking for for an agency. But then for that 95 to 97% of our prospects that are currently not looking for an agency, but maybe in half a year or a year or two years, we want to be on top of mind. We want yes. to make sure that they know that they have a, a problem that we can solve and that we can be trusted and they recognize us. So my goal personally is to become famous within a very, very specific niche. And that niche here in the Netherlands even is a group of B2B marketers at companies between 20 FTE and 200 FTE, because that's the perfect uh, uh, prospect for us now. And if, if, we, if I zoom in on that, that's a group of 30 to 50K marketers maybe in total. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, that's not a big group of people. We, we can become famous there. And all of a sudden you, you switch your mindset and all the, and even the paid advertising that I'm running are high value videos, high value carousels. You don't have to click on them. You just have to scroll past by them and watch them. And the only thing that I optimize for is video views. I just want people, I just want to grab people's attention, keep the attention for as long as possible. And 
make them feel that they have a problem that we can solve and that we're on top of mind. And a lot of the leads that I'm, that I'm, that I'm getting in lately is are leads that tell me, yeah, I, I only see you guys on, on LinkedIn. And, and every time I watch a video, it's something interesting, you know, and you're not pushing for a click or for a download. It's just, yeah, I'm just watching interesting stuff of you guys. So whenever I think of an agency, I have to think of you. Value add. Value add, value add, value add. Yes. I love it. I love it. I think this goes wrong in a couple of ways though. Like most B2B organizations, um, historically are either product led or sales led. (laughs) And the people who have embraced and found that sales led absolutely works. The problem is their mentality is we're going to grow by brute force outreach and directly. And what happens in those organizations, and I'm going to move my soapbox a little bit, but what happens in those organizations is that marketing is so severely undervalued that no matter what you do and what numbers you produce and what you tell them, you're going to have a battle on your hands because they're going to go with what the sales team is feeling rather than the data you're producing. Uh huh. Uh-huh. 100%. Yeah. So it's, they don't, it's really hard to educate leaders that the 95% is worth doing every yeah, time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because they don't, they want to see immediate transactions. That's, and well, that's not that's, marketing's job. <laughs> no, 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 no. And, and that is, that is so spot on. You know, also when we start working together with, um, with clients, there's always a, a discussion up front where they ask me, okay, when can I see results? You know, after three months or after uh, four or five months. And I tell them, okay, yeah, for the demand capture part, we can show some results in a short period of time. But for the demand generation part, it's investing a lot of time in creating high quality content. It's it's, it's been, it's um, spending advertising budget to get that message to the right people. And it's, it's sowing, sowing, sowing before you reap. Or is, yeah. is that the, the order? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and marketers know you're looking at maybe six to nine months and seeing an increase in momentum yeah. in that demand yeah. capture as a yeah. result of the demand generation, yes. and yes. that is a hard pill for most leaders to swallow when uh-huh. they need to meet numbers right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I and think the that shows the other coin where this kind of goes wrong is marketing focuses exclusively on the 95% and doesn't do the short-term things to help supplement mm-hmm. sales in the meantime. So you, yes. you have to do both, right? Yes, yes. 100%. Yeah. And I think that with the dawn of digital marketing created some promises and some expectations Absolutely. That, that were never met. Right. Yeah. So at the, at the beginning of like somewhere in, in somewhere between 2000, 2010, when you had these companies like booking and, and Airbnb and, and Tinder that, that grew extremely fast, yep. they were all around one growth hack. So, uh, you know, uh, um, Airbnb had this crack list integration, for instance, that allowed them to skyrocket. And, and especially in the world of growth hacking or growth marketing, which yeah, is how we present ourselves. You know, they, this, this false idea of, you know, just finding one hack and skyrocketing your company is, is still very much alive uh, nowadays. Well, I battle it. Every day, every yeah. day. And you just need to do yeah. one or two things really well. And then that'll yeah. just, will take off. <laughs> yeah. mm, no. I wish that was true. Yeah. 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 It's not. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. It all boils down to, to, to marketing one-on-one, you know, we're finding yeah. out, okay, 
this promise of digital marketing or growth, growth hacking isn't, isn't true for 99.9% of the businesses out there. You will not find one growth hack that will catapult your, your business. We have to go back to the basics. Who is our audience? Okay. Define it very well, narrow it down, fine tune a message that speaks to them and repeatedly reach them with that message and with something valuable to say and become uh, and create the stop of mindness. And in the meantime, making sure that you're there when people are looking for you marketing one-on-one, but still not, not so simple for, uh, for a lot of people out there. Right. Right. It's relationship building is the business we're in now and it takes time. You don't get trusted on day one. It takes a lot of customer evidence. It takes communities. It takes a lot of forms. And it also takes speaking the language that the people you're prospecting, the the same language they speak, the same pains they feel, all of those things. So yes, nail the basics. Nail the Mm -hmm. basics. Love it. Love it. Tico, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people find you online to network? Tycho Luyt on LinkedIn. So um, can they see my name somewhere? It's D-Y-C-H-O-L-U-I-J-T-E-N. So we will link to your agency, your LinkedIn profile in the show notes and the article. People can, I encourage them to go right now and check that out. And for those of you looking for more great content like this, check out calibermind.com. 